good morning, ain't it? A great morning outside. Beautiful morning, actually. Real sunny, not too hot. It's going to be warm, but not too humid, and that's the big deal. And welcome to our party. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting's weekly garden program. We call it the Gestalt Gardener, and I'm your host, Horticulturist Felder Rushing. Our producer is an awesome Java Chapman, and we're going to have fun for the next hour or so. Coming up today's second week in June broadcast, I'm going to give you a heads up about what you can be doing in your southern garden. Even though I know some of you are not southerners, you'll be honorary southerners. We're going to share a few interesting emails and some cheesy, really cheesy music. But mostly it's what we're able to do every week here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. And that's talk live with you in real time about what's going on or not in your garden. It's live, folks. Sit back. We're going to do some news and come back with the informal party we call the Gestalt Garden here on MP. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. All righty, folks, welcome back. We're going to be talking about gardening for the next hour or so, and again, Horticulture's fell to rushing, and whatever you got on your gardening mind, that is what we want to talk about today, because that's about, well, no, I sort of said it's about all we can do. I was actually at a garden center um, yesterday, day before yesterday, uh, Wednesday, I guess, and uh, picked up some potting soil, picked up some odds and ends, and they are loaded with plants. I mean, there's all, because, you know, springtime is what garden centers gamble on. They want everybody to have plenty of stuff to plant. But it seemed like every weekend it's been raining or something. And uh, so anyway, they're hoping now that people have put off their planting and not be put off by the fact that it's almost summertime because we have some fantastic plants. And it doesn't matter where you live, the local garden center, uh, box store, hardware store, somebody's got you some plants you can set out. You know, if you don't feel like digging up a, a, a big garden, which a lot of people don't anymore, a little small raised bed, real easy to, to get three boards, saw one in half, so you got four boards, and make you a little box and fill it up with some potting soil and grow you some peppers and some petunias and some zinnias and maybe some beans if you want to or corn. But the, the, the most important thing is get out there and plant some stuff because it's good for you. Matter of fact, I got a really interesting email this past week from somebody who said that, that they'd been tending some plants, didn't know anything about it, and sort of felt good about it, made them feel better about themselves and want to know what they could do to get started being a gardener. And I wrote back and said, well, you know, just find you a hole, stick something in it, green side up, and let's take it from there. And if you have more specific stuff, we can talk about that. Uh, speaking of that, Java, you know, it's all sorts of weird stuff in the news. And for some reason, because I got long gray hair, people just assume that I'm growing pot in my yard. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, are you kidding? Looking like me? You think I'm going to do something that's against federal law? You got and, a certain you got a certain look about yourself. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Well, but but the, the the truth is, there's a handful of plants out there that are in my garden that I have to be careful about. I have this little annual called Cleome. Some people call it cat's whiskers or, or grandpa whiskers. But Cleome is an old-fashioned flowering plant. It's real popular now. Blooms all summer, but the leaves look like pot. And, you know, I can't just put it out in my front yard. Oh, wow. Now, see, that I didn't know. You, you'll get, you'll get um, in trouble yep. for nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, one of my favorite plants I just put out in the front yard is uh, a real pot. You've probably seen this around, uh, at least in the Jackson area. It's called Vitex. Vitex is an old-fashioned plant. Been around for 150 years. I see it all over. It'll grow in a cemetery in El Paso, Texas. With no water. That's how tough it is. But it's got spikes of uh, sometimes blue, sometimes pink. But but the spires of it's like a it's like a crepe myrtle tree with spikes of flowers, and some of them are blue. And uh, it is a fantastic plant, a good pollinator plant, but the leaves look like pot. And so you just, were talking about Vitex um, uh, really a lot last uh, it's a, last show. It's a great, great plant. And uh, I ha- I actually have one in my in my back garden that I planted probably 25, maybe 30 years ago, at least 25 years ago. And so it's been around a long time, but it's making popularity because it's something other uh, crepe myrtles are beautiful, but there's something other than crepe myrtles that's blooming right now with spikes. And it's hard to find blue in, in, in summer color. But anyway, uh, I just want to let folks driving by. That's Vitex and Cleome, okay? Get off my back just because, well, you know, don't, don't be, don't be uh, judging me by, by the shape of my leaves. <laughs> Where did this come from? 
Where? Where what? There. Anyway, well, I, I walked in this morning. You know, sometimes uh, I, I try to walk. Yeah, what you got? You got a plenty. Yeah, here. I found a, a flower. There's a there's a native wildflower that's blooming in shady areas, really in a lot of towns, but it's all over the woods. It's got little uh, five petals, little pale lavender, uh, and it's a native plant called Ruellia. Uh, Ruellia's got a, a you know, I, I don't know what the common name for it. A lot of people are familiar with a cultivated type called Mexican Petunia. It's a big ruellia. It's from the tropics, and it's a big, bold, almost an invasive plant. This little, small, delicate plant with small, uh, small azalea-like leaves and pretty little uh, flowers about the size, I guess, of a quarter. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's lavender. It's all over it, low-growing plant, and it's just one of the many wildflowers you'll see if you get off the beaten path. So you picked that up on your on your usual walk here? Yeah, well, n- not only that, but, uh, you know, we, right next door is the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries and Parks. I stole it from their woods. <laughs> Uh-oh, they're coming to get you. They're well, coming listen, to get you. Listen, they plant some nandinas in front of their place, which is not a native plant, so I'm thinking it's tit for tat here, okay? Well, that's, that's I, but I um I know how we got on the uh, topic. I was going to ask you. I'm not. I'm actually not feeling too good today, hmm. Felder. You, you look. You're looking great, though. I I appreciate that. <laughs> but um, I was going to ask you: Is there anything in your garden right now that could help me? You know, we try to be herbal and and not be all uh, peel poppers and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Something natural. I'm uh, you know. Well, it, it, and keep in mind, you know, the, one of the reasons I'm cheerful all the time is because of the antihistamines I take. <laughs> so it's not, I'm not all Mr. All Natural here. Uh, but, you know, there you could grow mint or you could grow um, – there's a, there's a few plant, little herbal plants you can make a tea out of, and they give you a, li- a little bit of a lift. It's not a buzz, but it's, it's a light-stimulating tea, you know, just like regular tea can give you kind of the jitters because it's got a little, I guess it's got caffeine in it. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, mint, there's a plant called coleus that's grown just as a pretty uh, foliage plant. You make a nice little tea out of the leaves of that. And uh, all the garden centers carry coleus plants. They're beautiful. Uh, matter of fact, your son could plant some in a pot on the front porch, and you take some of the, the new leaves and steep them into a tea, and it just you know it just makes you feel a little better. You okay. know, it's not going to give you a buzz. You're not going to get pulled over or anything like that. <laughs> now, what about that? You came and actually picked up some tea um, the I, other the I, other day. I did, I did. There's a couple of guys down uh, outside uh, uh, Popperville, down in South Mississippi, who are growing tea, Mississippi tea. And they're doing a real good good job of producing good quality tea. Haven't had a chance to try it because it just you know just hadn't gotten around to it yet because I just got it the other day. But as a matter of fact, I was supposed to go this week, but I'm going to go down next week and visit with them and look at their tea making operation. It's some Mississippi grown uh, black or green tea made out of camellia leaves. Not not just any kind of camellia, but a special type of camellia. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that when I get a chance to go down and interview them because they're a real success story. A real success story. Um, we're going to be talking about gardening. If you want to give us a call, it's live, one eight seven seven mpb ring We'd like to mention two things. First of all, June is perennial gardening month. This is the time of year to set stuff out that will be back year after year after year, and we can sure talk about that. But it's also this week, the 3rd through the 10th, is International Clothesline Week. So if you feel like putting some stuff out there and getting a little scratchy clothes to put on there, this is the time to do it. Um, but the the main thing is this coming week there's going to be a free program uh, coming Monday. It's going to be at 6 o'clock at the Kapaya County Extension Service Office. Uh, the Master Gardeners have regular monthly programs that this week coming up on Monday is going to be How Does Your Garden Grow? Uh, they're going to talk about their favorite techniques and plants in their gardens as men and women who grow stuff. They're going to talk about their favorite plants and little tricks that, that they enjoy using to grow in plants. Uh, one says you can talk about pumpkins. It's time to plant pumpkins now. It really is. You can plant pumpkins up until, I guess, the uh, first week in July and still get them before fall. But anyway, that's going to be Monday, June the 12th, 6 o'clock at the Copiah County Extension Service. And it's a free program. they got door prizes and refreshments. And uh, if you've got any kind of announcements that are garden-related, uh, any kind of events, uh, call us or shoot us an email, garden at mpbonline.org. I love to share upcoming garden events. Now, let's go down to our over to Meridian. Hey, Ann, good morning. Good morning. How are I you? Good, how are you? Fine, so far. What you, sound like you're on the road. Yes. Um, I'm on my hands-free, though. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to uh, comment to Java. A lot of times when... 
uh, myself or my family is sick, we go outside and pick pine needles and make a tea because pine needles have lots of vitamin C in them. That's a great one. That is a great one. The, the, the new needles, not the old stuff, though. And uh, do you mix them? We wash them off real well. Yeah, and and you just steep them like regular tea. Do you uh, dry them first or use them fresh? No, we use them fresh and put a little honey with uh, them. A little honey. I've heard that. Uh, pine, and it'll, it'll sort of like a pick-you-up. Yes. What a great, great uh, tip, And Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, John, I don't know if you caught that, but, you know, pine trees... Yes, I, I heard. I, yeah. You know, we got the phone, phone oh, yeah. lines always blowing up. Well, the, the, the new needles, the, the real tender new stuff that's just coming out, just snip it up little pieces, steep it in some hot water for four or five minutes, strain it out, add a little honey to it. Now, she's she talking about the, um, the the brown ones, the little... No, no, no. You know, the pine trees, they, they drop their brown stuff. Yeah. But the ends of the branches have got real tender new growth on the tips of the branches. They're okay. just starting to grow. And a pine needle tea with, okay. a, li- with a little honey. Yeah, I heard the honey part. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's go to Mobile. Hi, Mikey. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Man, you have already given me two great tips. All right. Today. Well, one was from Ann. Uh, well, exactly. Thank you, Ann, and thank you, Phil. They're both, you know. And thank you, Java, too, while I'm at it. Well, um, okay. uh, yeah. The, the coleus thing, yep. you know, which makes sense to me. I thought, well, it is a member of the mint family. It I sure is. I thought of actually doing it. It sure know? is. And there's and a the nut- same thing with pine, the pine stuff, you know. Yep. I've been picking up green pine cones this morning um, mm-hmm. because the squirrels are dropping yeah. them on my roof. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, what can we help you with this morning? This morning, my question is regarding another native plant in an area that I have, nettles slash thistles. These are about the, they're globular, about the size of a marble or the end of your thumb. Mm-hmm. Um, I have asked everybody I can, but I thought that maybe since you spend time in England and have English associates um, very close to you, that you might be able to give me some idea, English, Scottish, whatever. Uh, I had a, a, a dear friend who was a chef who, um, uh, Cajun primarily was his specialty, and he confided in, to me one time. He, he came over to my yard, and he looked at it, and he went, don't cut all those down. Those are the chef's secret, but I've never learned how. What do you do to cook them, and do you cook the Okay, I, I, the- I, I'm going to have to stop you there because I don't know. I'd be glad to find out. Matter of fact, I'll probably ask Deborah Hunter, who has a, a, a food program uh, every Monday morning. might just ask her about it, but I've never eaten them. I've seen them all the time. I, I just don't know. <laughs> I have asked her, and she didn't know either. Well, I, the uh, difference, I'll tell you what, Mike, send, send me an email, and I'll be glad to look it up, or else it'll remind me to, to, to look at it next week, because uh, I don't know. And I'm one of the few garden experts you'll find anywhere who knows how to say, I don't know. So anyway, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Thanks so much, Mikey. Appreciate it. Let's go to Walls, Mississippi. Hey, Nancy, you're almost to Memphis. Hi, Felder. Yes, I am, and I am still planting things that irritate my neighbors. What I called <laughs> about this morning is I have some pawpaw trees, yeah. and I have noticed I've got little bitty baby pawpaw trees growing up real close all around them, and mm-hmm. I want to know, do I need to space those out? Do I need to transplant them, or should they just well, grow up with the other ones, or well, what? Well, you know, pawpaw, they're native. They're native to, from the Gulf Coast all the way up into Ohio and Illinois. They typically right. grow in low, wet areas, and Delta certainly qualifies for that. But uh, they'll make good-sized trees. Uh, I had one in, in my great-grandmother's garden in Indianola, just south of you. Uh, that's pr- still there. It's been there all of my life, and it's uh, a small tree. Uh, but, you know, for, to get pawpaw, you need to space them out if you want to ever get any kind of fruit. But keep in mind that they have an unusual pollination requirement. There's a type of beetle that pollinates them, maybe a fly. But anyway, they're they're pollinated by other than bees. And uh, so, in, anyway. I have pawpaws. I mean, I never get one. There's a raccoon or a possum <laughs> or, you know, my, my friends in the woods, yeah. they always get my pawpaws, but well, I still love the tree. I love the shade. You know, they've got those big leaves that sort of hang down a little bit. It's an interesting uh, looking tree, but I would space them out, if, you know, just because they're trees. Okay. About 15 feet apart. You know, that's we're starting getting into stuff that doesn't matter to me. Okay. <laughs> All right. I have Ruelia, too. You do. The, I the, you talking the, about the, that, and I have a beautiful, beautiful Vitex in my backyard. Have you got the native Ruelia or the, the Mexican it, one? It's native. It's yeah. native. I found it over in a park in Arkansas 
when I went camping. It's a little native I've seen it growing all around Mississippi. It's, it's just a little, it's just a little cool little woodland plant. And it's perennial. It comes up every year. It yep. gets bigger every year, too. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Well, we appreciate it, Nancy. And, uh, you know, don't forget, uh, hard features, garden accessories, artwork, that can really irritate your neighbors. <laughs> okay. We're going to take a little bit of a break and come back with more phone calls. We've got several lined up from New Albany down to the Gulf uh, Port to the prairies of West Point. I'm Horticulturist Felder Rushing. This is the Gestalt Gardener. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcast, one of many, many weekly, daily programs on topics of interest to just about everybody. So tune in Monday through Friday, every morning. We've got all sorts of fun stuff. Or go to our, M- uh, to our website, uh, mpbonline.org. We're going to take a little bit of a break and come back. And by the way, got some really cheesy music that's going to irritate many of you coming up in about 10 minutes. But mostly it's talking about gardening. I will be right back, folks. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, Go to mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. Got some real interesting emails this past week. Uh, one was uh, a regular listener uh, sent me a link to a new theme park, unfortunately, it's in France. I might be able to get over to see it sometime, but it's a theme park that has the usual rides and all that kind of stuff. But instead of being dinosaurs or Disney or whatever, it's flowers and plant themed park. I mean, it's got the, everything about it is just plants. Get got mazes, containers, tropical plants, all sorts of weird plants. So you know, a job is like going to the state fair instead of cotton candy. It's got roses. So now it, I wonder if you can play a game where you have to feed the Venus flytrap or something. Oh, yeah, that'd be you know, feed me. You know, keep your fingers inside the rides. <laughs> feed me, Seymour. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and some of the, three of the emails I got, real, real interesting. I'll share them one at a time because we got a bunch of calls. One is uh, from Francis Self. said, I'm sending a picture of bizarre stuff that appeared in my raised garden after heavy rain. I thought it looked like mashed potatoes. It was in several areas in the bed. It felt soft and sort of creamy like hand cream. Apparently somebody told it, it might be frog eggs. But no, we have a, a lot of different kind of fungi. Uh, that And fungus looks like strands of thread. You know, it's just little webby looking stuff and it decomposes organic matter potting soil compost manure tree trunks anyway it does a good job but when it's happy when a fungus is happy it makes its version of a flower sometimes it's a mushroom or a toadstool or a puffball sometimes it's this frothy looking stuff that's called slime mold and it's you know sometimes it's frothy sometimes it's fluffy but slime mold typically shows up after when the temperature and the humidity and the rains are just about right. No big deal. Don't worry about it. It's not going to hurt your plants. Just stir it up or spray paint it wherever you want to put little garden gnomes by it. But anyway, I've also seen circles starting to show up in people's yards of these white mushrooms. And if you've got white mushrooms, you know, the regular toadstool-looking things with a flat uh, cap, and they're growing in a curve or a circle in your yard, that's a fungus called the fairy ring. It's called fairy ring because they you know, they just pop up overnight. People say that's where the fairies partied last night because usually a big old circle of these mushrooms are a curve. Uh, there is no control for fairy ring fungus. It's growing under the ground. It spreads about a foot or two a year in a curve going outward, sort of like a ripple on a pond going in real slow motion. Ever throw a rock in some water, slight ripples. Uh, some people say you can dig it up. No, you can't. All that does is break it up into a bunch of little fairy rings. It grows a foot or two a year, and as it spreads, it will temporarily kill the grass in that little bit of a curve. Don't worry about it. It will slowly grow on off your yard. There's no control for it. Anybody tells you different, either doesn't know what they're doing or what they're talking about, or they're up to something. Anyway, fairy ring mushrooms starting to show up. Uh, enjoy them. Don't eat them. Kick them over if you don't like them. Enjoy them because there ain't squat you can do. Can I say ain't squat you can do about it here? Okay. Let's go down to Gulfport. Hey, Kay, good morning. 
Hey, good morning. Howdy. Well, thanks for holding. What's up? I just recently had some construction done on my yard, and uh-huh. I have a 30 by 5 foot strip of area that I've, um, I have river sand on. And I'm wondering what I can do for a fall garden in that little section. Huh. And then I would like to learn about transplanting or growing blueberries. Okay. From, uh, well, let, well, let's take them uh, in backwards first. Blueberries are not that easy to root. I'm real familiar with blueberries. I, I work a long time with fruit science and fruit growers. They're not easy to root. It's a whole lot better to get you some plants, some small plants, and then separate some of the little suckers that come up every year. It's a whole lot quicker that way. And unless you have a greenhouse with a mist system, a fog system, and can keep them cool, and you know, it, it, they're, they're not easy to root is what I'm saying. And, and I love rooting stuff. It's just not that easy. Uh, if you'll send me an email, though, I'll give you some detailed instructions on how to give it a try. So right off the bat, uh, I can give you better information in writing than, than in person, because in person, I'm going to be a little negative. Sorry. <laughs> but anyway, as far as your, your your vegetable area, I would suggest turning it into raised beds. Now, you don't have to build boxes around it, but instead of thinking of it as, what would you say, 30 by, how big was it? 30 by 5. 30 by 5. Think of it as, uh, as, as a 6 of 5 beds that are 4 by 5. And, uh, you know, because you can reach both sides. In other words, uh, every four or five feet, make a little nice little pathway uh, and then treat each one of the areas between the paths as a separate garden. Add a little organic matter to it, some bark, some cheap compost, some any kind of stuff to add to your sand and stir it in and then just start planting stuff and treat each one as a separate garden. So when you harvest it, then as soon as you're done with it, you can replant something else without having to do the whole thing. And actual plant um, ideas? Oh, I don't even know where to start. You know, we can, you can still plant any kind of summer plant, you know, beans and corn and tomatoes and peppers and basil and all that kind of stuff, and squash, uh, cucumbers right now. And you can do that up until about the middle of August on the Gulf Coast and still get a harvest before fall. Then you start thinking about cool season like, like a cabbage and broccoli and carrots and you know, all that kind of stuff. So we got. Would those be planted, please? Uh, when, when it starts getting cool, September or so. Okay. So we have summer stuff. And we have winter stuff, and we still got two. We still have two months of summer stuff planting. So you know, send me an email, Kale, because we can come in. I can help you a lot more with the blueberries and give you a few more ideas. But again, think about using the garden as a series of independent little raised beds. And if you want to shore the sides up with wood, you can, but you don't have to. Just smooth the sides and pat them down. All righty. Okay, doke. Um, by the way, the email here: garden at mpbonline dot org. Let's go up to New Albany. Hey, William, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing fine. How are you, fellas? So far, so good. I got a little little problem with tomatoes. I got my big boy tomatoes and my celebrity tomatoes, and they're about eight foot tall, and uh, they're coming up with black spots on the leaves. Yeah. Um, this is, first of all, eight foot tall tomatoes. Wow. You've been pushing those things with fertilizer. Had you got tomatoes on them yet? Oh yeah, I got lots of tomatoes. Okay, already on. I, they're not fertilized real heavy. They're grown in a kind of a raised bed thing with a lot of uh, manure on them. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's here's the deal on the spots. We have a lot of different diseases that get on the leaves of tomatoes, and they go by every kind of name: early blight, uh, late blight. Uh, there, there's so many different diseases. Unless yeah. unless you're willing to spray all the time, uh, there's not much you can do about it because those things they splash those spots. When a raindrop hits one of those spots, it splashes little spores like little seeds onto new wow. leaves, and then those sprout into spots. And when we have rainy weather or you do a lot of overhead watering, 
the diseases are worse. There is a spray yeah. you can use, but uh, we I mean, have to use a spray just about every week or two because the sprays don't last long and the new growth needs to be covered. Uh, to me, the best thing to do is just to, the worst of the leaves, just snip them off and then think about planting new tomatoes every month and a half or so. You know, if you'll plant some new tomatoes into this month and then some more the 1st of August, you'll have new, fresh new plants coming along to replace the old ones as they peter out. Well, that's what I've been doing is snipping those leaves off. It's got a black spot on them. Yeah. Well, so you know, it, eventually they'll turn yellow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've just been snipping them off. Well, country folks say their plants fire up. They start at the bottom, moves on up the plant. Looks like they just burn up, you know, a few leaves at a time. This is real common. And again, unless you want to spray all the time, an occasional spray doesn't help, then they're probably better just to have new plants coming along uh, every. Yeah, every four, five, six weeks, plant you some new tomatoes. This is what commercial growers do to keep fresh plants coming on all the time. I thank you a lot. I listen to you on Friday and Saturday morning. Okay, well, you know, I, I was I would suggest you need to get a life. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have to. I have to to put my string up uh, <laughs> on the top of. Yeah, well, it's, it's, you know, you can root the suckers. You know, little suckers come out on the edge in, between the leaves. Yes, sir. That's I got some suckers out here. It's about waist high now, but, uh, <laughs> and I'm looking at some in a in a, a, a mason fruit jar over here, waiting to get. There you go. There you go. Get, uh, keep keeps uh, the keeps the new plants coming on all the time, William. Man, I really appreciate your call. I, I hope said, you stay. I, I, I set some out every every month. That's good. Perfect. We're on the same page. Thank you, William. Appreciate it, man. All right, let's go to West Point. Hey, Laura, how are you? Rushing, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Nobody calls me Mr. Rushing, but thank you. Uh, okay, I'll call you Felder then. Is that okay? That, that's okay. I mean, I can have white hair growing on my ears. I'm old enough to be called Mr. Rushing, but what's up, Laura? I um, have a house in West Point, and we have some big old crepe myrtles. Mm-hmm. And I went outside one day, and I was talking with a friend, and we both sort of glanced over this tree, and there was a huge black mass in the tree. And mm-hmm. we walked over to it, and it was a huge swarm of bees. And, of course, I panicked. I have two small kids, and I was thinking, my little boy's going to climb this tree and get attacked by bees. If he's normal, he will. If he's normal, Laura, he will. And that's <laughs> so how boys learn. We him out of the tree. We let him climb the trees in the backyard instead of the front yard. Yeah. So we were able to, but we watched him, and there, it was just, for a couple of days, it was just that huge swarm of bees. A honeybees. And we went out to run an errand and came back, and they were almost all gone. Yeah. And there was this one little something there. Well... We've been watching it, and a few of the bees have come back, and they're still around the outside. So we've been told that it's probably honeybees. Yeah, well, what you would expect. Yeah, you know, honeybees. They're, you know, Google them. They're they're not much else that looks like honeybees. You know, they're little brown, soft, fuzzy type of things. Right, and it's but, kind of high up. And yeah, you know, I well, here, called the extension service, and they said, "Well, can you get a picture?" And I tried. Here's here's what happened. Laura, the tree, I can't get close. <laughs> Laura, here's what happens in the springtime. Our honeybee hives, when they get overcrowded, some of them split off to start a new hide that's called a swarm and a lot of times they'll hang around a limb or a branch or something it can get you know bigger than a basketball and they're just doing that until they find them a new place to make a home then they take off for that it's just called swarming we still have i mean there's still bees in the tree it's not the huge basketball size it's more of a baseball size yep okay are they setting up a honeybee hive no 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 no. honeybees have to make things their hives inside something like a box or the eve of your house or a hollow tree or something like that you remember winnie the pooh and the honeybees in the tree right well that's what i was wondering if we're gonna get to climb the tree and harvest honey one day no probably not no from the branch of my crate no but they just eventually go on on their own yep Yep, they sure will. They sure will. One other question. I have an aunt and a cousin who have kept bees in the past. They have empty hives. This little sort of nucleus of bees that are still there all the time, Mm -hmm. could we somehow capture those bees and establish a new colony? It's possible, Laura. It's not likely because you have to get the queen, and you don't know which one is in the queen. And and in order to find her, you're going to irritate a lot of honeybees. So I I would suggest just let them do their, their thing. Okay. And and, uh, and enjoy, enjoy. By the way, if your boy's climbing the, the, the crepe myrtles, make sure he stays barefoot because shoes can be slippery and crepe myrtles are real slippery. We don't want him to slip down and catch himself and, you know, the, the, all those limbs and stuff. So it's better to, cr- to climb a slick tree like a crepe myrtle barefoot, and that's what being a boy is all about. 
Well, he is just going to feel victorious after your call because he hates wearing shoes. Oh, okay. <laughs> and him one for the day. And, and when when he gets when he steps on a honeybee and it stings him, you know, clears tear off and say, "Son, that's part of growing up." Good deal. Thank you so much. Hug him while you can, Laura. I sure will. Okay, now I think we got time for one more call before we do the cheesy music. Let's go to Natchez. Hey, Francis. Good morning. Hey, Felder. Howdy. What's up? Got a question for you. I got several questions. First is, uh, I got spider lilies growing in front of my house, uh-huh. and the bulbs are coming up to the top of the ground. Yep. Question one. Next question. I've got a wild plum tree. That's what I call it. And right now, I'm looking at the tree, and the plums are green. Yeah. And they get ripe in November, December. Depends on on the variety, but it'll be it'll be fall. Okay. And my next question: Have you ever heard of a touch me not plant? Oh yeah. Okay, the leaves curl up when you touch them, and they have the uh, lavender-like uh, uh, flower. On yeah, it. well, that's actually not the most common. Name. the The most common touch me not is a type of uh, of impatience. Some people call it balsam, and you touch the seed pod. Look like little orange footballs. You touch them, and they throw seeds everywhere. They snap when you touch them. What you're seeing is actually a relative of mimosa. And a lot of people call it mimosa vine or sensitive briar. And you touch it, and they little ferny-looking things. And they, they and the the pink flower is about the size of a marble. That's right. Yeah, it's a it's a great native plant, and it's real interesting for kids. But sensitive briar or mimosa plant is it is related to mimosa, and they'll snap shut real real quick. Okay, a Native American told me if you dug them up and boil the, uh, the roots, it's good for headaches. Could be, but I don't get into that kind of stuff because of liability issues. You need to call Dr. Rick on Wednesday, Dr. Rick on Wednesdays. I got you. Okay, man. Okay, what about my spider lilies? Okay, they're growing where they need to. You know, every year they make new bulbs, and the new bulbs form at the level that's best for them in that kind of dirt. So it sounds like your dirt may, there may stay a little wet or it's a little heavy or something like that. If you want to dig them up, a few of them every now and then plant them a little deeper, perfectly okay to do that now. All righty, stay cool, Francis. Thank you. All righty. Uh, folks, uh, Gestalt Garden Productive Mississippi Public Broadcasting got some cheesy music that's guaranteed to put what we call an earworm in your head. You won't be able to get this one out of your head. We're going to be back with more of the Gestalt Gardener uh, right after this cheesy music. I'm Horticulture's fellow Rushing, and you're listening to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. <laughs> Would you like to swing on a star, carry moonbeams home in a jar, and be better off than you are? Or would you rather be a mule? A mule is an animal with long, funny ears, kicks up at anything he hears. His back is brawny, but his brain is weak. He's just plain stupid with a stubborn streak. And by the way, if you hate to go to school, you may grow up to be a mule. Or would you like to swing on a star, carry moonbeams home in a jar, and be better off than you are? Or would you rather be a pig? A pig is an animal with dirt on his face. His shoes are a terrible disgrace. He has no manners when he eats his food. He's fat and lazy and extremely rude. But if you don't care a feather or a fig, you may grow up to be a pig. Or would you like to swing on a star, carry moonbeams home in a jar, and be better off than you are? Or would you rather be a fish? A fish won't do anything but swim in a brook He can't write his name or read a book To fool the people is his only thought And though he's slippery, he still gets caught But then if that sort of life is what you wish You may grow up to be a fish Kind of jumped up slippery fish And all the monkeys are in the zoo Every day you meet quite a few So you see it's all up to you You can be better than you are You could be swinging on a star 
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back, folks. Horticulture's fell rushing, and I was reminded, I had a caller earlier. She says she's still offending her neighbors. This is a lady up in North Mississippi, planted wildflowers and stuff in her front yard, and somebody complained, which is just your right to complain, but... It's not your right to tell people what to do. Here in America, you can have a garden of whatever style you want, Japanese, English, native, uh, 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 formal, classical, whatever kind of suburban rant style, whatever kind of garden you want, as long as you fit sort of within the parameters of your community. You know, if you're going to have grass, you got to mow it. You can't just let it grow up and call it a meadow. You have to have a meadow on purpose in town with something out there let your neighbors know you're trying. Anyway, I was thinking about that. I came up with an original quote. This is original. It's never been said before by Felder Rushing. A Felder original. This is I came up with this this morning. You are not responsible for what others think or do. It's your yard. Don't let shamers get the better of you. It's a, that egalitarian approach. Your rights end at my property line. Let's go up to uh, down to Gulfport, Gulf Coast. Hey, Phil, what's up, man? Good morning. Just playing on a star. Yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> Isn't that a cheesy song? Who knew Bing could get that cheesy? <laughs> they all are. Thank you. <laughs> um, about three months ago, I laid some sod in my front yard. When? when? At, uh, about three months ago. Okay. Uh, we had to take out a big elm tree and had to scrape out flat in the front yard. Uh-huh. So putting some, some sod in, and per your instructions, uh, didn't fertilize it, so I mowed it twice. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we had some rains after that fertilizing, <laughs> yeah. and, and now I've got I can play checkers on my front yard. You, you have um, have what in front? I can play checkers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the all the uh, the the side pieces are really jump. The fertilizer rests in the crevices and the seams of the. Uh, how can I can I do another coat of lightly of fertilizer? Yeah, yeah. What what can, what kind of grass have you got, Phil? Centipede. Okay. The, you, you, yes, you, to answer your question, yes, you can. But keep in mind, centipede is sensitive to too much nitrogen. So if you're going to fertilize it again, use the stuff they call centipede food. That's the, okay. only, that's the only kind of fertilizer you will ever need. It has everything forever that centipede needs. But whatever the bag says, it'll cover, make it go twice that far. Okay. And another, just give it a, and the other thing is, is, is mow high. Mow high. Because this gotta, this gotta get high first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, set your mow on the highest setting, throw it away. This is what helps it get the energy it needs to start spreading. Right. Right. So I'm uh, also following your recommendation and stop picking up my clippings and throwing them out there. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's this is this is it's not just my recommendation, it's what every turf manual says. You know, clippings are good for the grass. They don't make that thatch. Thatch is a northern thing, it's not a southern thing. Right. All righty, well, man. I always appreciate your answer. Thank okay. you. Okay. I appreciate it. Have a, have a good weekend. Thanks. And, you know, one of the things that I, I try to emphasize every week is the, one of the real advantages of being here at MPB is uh, public radio is that I don't have to sell anything. I can tell you what I really think based on training, observation, experience, gut feelings, that sort of thing, without feeling like I have to sell you anything. So it doesn't really matter to me what you do or don't do in your own yard. Uh, my job is to come up with a solution that everybody can live with. Let's go uh, to Bentonia. Hey, John, good morning. Good morning, Mr. Felder. Howdy. I, by the way, I just got a, 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 I don't have the with me. I can't, I meant to bring it today. But there's a lady in Bentonia. Send me a picture. She has the biggest catalpa tree I've ever seen in my life in Bentonia. I just forgot, wow. to, forgot to bring the information and share it. So what's up with you? Well, the, the woman that called about... Uh, the swarming bees in her trees, uh-huh. um, in her tree. I, I, I wish you had mentioned the flow hive. Um, and there's a father-son team that invented, uh, it, it's basically a special type of comb that you put in a standard hive mm-hmm. that when you insert a, a, a key, they call it, and turn it, it, it splits the hexagons and the honey just pours out. You don't have to take the combs out. Right, right. I've I've seen that. I've seen that. It, I, it, it's amazing, and, um, and you know it's got a glass side on it, so oh, yeah. you can watch the bees, and they don't get disturbed when you harvest the honey. So they don't 
tend to suffer diseases and things like that. Right. That, uh, you know, stress bees. Yeah, I, I I would have gotten into that, but you know, we were just dealing with the with the swarm instead of getting to the hive and, and harvest and all that kind of. And, you know, can you imagine her sending her little boy up in the tree with a with a jar trying to get honey out of a swarm of bees? Well, um, you know, that's a suggestion she might want to pick up on. It's called honeyflow.com. Yeah, and, and you know, it's flow hive. And I don't know why they. Yeah, switch the words around like that, but you know that—that's the URL if she wants to look it up. Okay, man, that's a—it's that's, a cool—it's a cool thing for beekeepers. I mean, it, especially if you got kids too. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And, you know, the, the one one cool thing about it is you can convert uh, traditional Langstroth hives to to the Honeyflow mo- model. Oh yeah, you know, very very cheaply. Okay, so commercial beekeepers keep that in mind. Great tip, John. Man, I really appreciate it a whole bunch. Thank you, sir. We got some lines open, folks. If you'd like to give us a call, one eight seven seven MPB ring eight seven seven MPB ring. MPB stands for Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hey, you got a, another interesting uh, email I got, and uh, this might make some people uncomfortable. But Cole Eaton wrote, and he said. Um, I've lived in a wooded area since 2008 and attribute my lack of no poison snakes in my yard to a king snake. But the king snake has disappeared. He said, do you know where I might find a spotted king snake locally in Mississippi to purchase? <laughs> so this guy looking for a snake for his yard. Okay. <laughs> now, John, you now, know, if he, if he wants, he can go back and listen to podcast of Creature Comforts. Oh, did they talk about spotted king snakes, speckled king snakes? We talked about, uh, we had a snake day, uh, if not last uh, week, week before. And uh, yeah, we talked about the king snake and how it basically keeps all the other snakes out of your yard. Yeah, well, this guy wants to know where he can find one. By the way, spotted king, speckled king snake is what it's called. They're black with tiny, tiny little pale yellow, almost look white, pale, pale yellow speckles all over it. Real distinctive. There's no other snake like that, and they eat other snakes for a living. Now, I had one years and years ago, and then it disappeared, and I think it's because it ran out of stuff to eat. So anyway, I don't know where you can buy a speckled king snake. You might. I just don't know, but it's a great, great question. Probably one of the best snakes you can have in your yard. I will mention this, though. If you pick it up, it's not poisonous, but it will bite you, so don't pick it up. (laughs) Speckled king snake, black with tiny little yellow pale pale yellow spots if you see one of those folks don't kill it give us a call we'll come get it because i know a fellow's looking for one now let's go to ocean springs hey sally what a pretty town you live in thank you well, what's Father, up i have a question about bulbs i like to buy stuff on clearance at lowe's and home depot uh-huh. and i bought some bulbs the other day that should be planted in march and is it possible to plant them now? Do they have to go in a pot, or can I put them in the ground? Well, if they're supposed to be planted in March, that means they're summer blooming bulbs, and you can plant them pretty much any time. Matter of fact, if they're still firm, if you don't plant them, they're not going to last. What? What? Do you know what kinds they are? Uh, no, I can't remember. I just they were just a dollar seventy five, and yeah. I just grabbed them. Yeah, if they're you know we have we have fall planted bulbs like daffodils and and things like that. We have spring planted bulbs that bloom over the summertime. You know, gladiolus is an example. It's not really a bulb, I know, so don't send me emails, folks. But anyway, uh, if it's supposed to be planted in March, that means it's a summer flowering thing. I'd go ahead and plant them. Thank you so much, Felder. I appreciate it. That's it. That's it. Okay. Okay. Bye. bye now. Hmm. I feel like I could have said some more stuff about that. <laughs> but that's why I always I'm I'm be weary about going to different places and buying different plants because you know you don't know if it's going to work. <laughs> yeah, and, and even it's, if it's on like clearance, you know, you yeah. just, you want something pretty, but it may it may just not even last once you take it out the pot. You know, Java, I, I I go to garden centers all the time. I you know go through you know local garden centers. I go to wholesale places. I go to to Home Depot and Lowe's, and I see a lot of really really good plants. And there's more and more good plants, but there's a lot of it at the box stores that. Really, they're selling because they're pretty. They're lost leaders. You know, they're the cupcakes they put by the by the 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 the, the cash register. And uh, if they give you pleasure for a little while, here's what I would do. Now, this is just me. I'm not giving anybody else advice, but I would weigh the cost of a plant that may or may not live with the cost of a beer. 
Because, you know, if it's not going to last very long, you know, you want to get some kind of buzz out of it, whether it's a beer or a flower. But if it costs more than a beer, you're not sure about it. It's just gambling. And gambling is legal in the garden. <laughs> That's another Feldo original. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess so. I guess so, you know. And, you know, if it's a shrub, you know, let's go with a six-pack of cheap beer, you know. Which do I want? Six-pack of cheap beer and I want to gamble on this bush. I don't know. Uh, by the way, there. Uh, when I was walking around the other night, I heard my first cicadas. Uh, cicadas are getting cranked up here in the south. They're at least central Mississippi. So I think that's really, really cool. If there's some... Uh, um, Anybody really interested in insects, cicadas are about the size of your thumb. They're the, the things that, that start wailing right around dusk in the evening. And uh, they're going to start picking up pretty soon. But also, when I was walking around, I saw the most unusual little creature that uh, it could barely see it, about the size of a nickel, I guess. You know, it was scurrying across the top of the ground. I just happened to see it. It was pointed out to me, actually. It turned out to be a red-legged spider. A red-legged spider. And I forget the name. I looked it up. Uh, it's a purse, purse nest, purse nest. It's a spider that makes its nest like in the bark of a tree and covers itself up with a, a, a webby looking, silky looking covering. And when some other insect comes along and crawls across it, the spider grabs him th- through the. Sp- I mean, can you imagine? You just do 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 walking along, and all of a sudden you're walking on a little webby thing, and something grabs you like a shark from inside it. Anyway, the red legged spider, per- the red legged purse nest spider is supposed to be endangered. It's supposed to be rare. And I just have to say a beautiful spider. And I don't even like spiders. Anyway, let's go to Clinton and talk with Ann. Morning, Ann. How are you? I'm okay. What's up? I have a big, tall plant about five feet tall that mm-hmm. has grown up in one of my flower beds. I've never had it there before, so I guess the birds brought it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like a thistle. Could be. I mean, we have lots of different, you know, thistle is a big family, you yeah. know. Um, and does it have the like the lavender thistle kind of flower on top? It hasn't bloomed yet. It just keeps growing. I've got another one coming up beside it. Well, I, I was walking around the other night, and I saw something that's, that's more related to a lettuce. It's got thistle-like leaves, and it, the, we're talking about six, eight feet tall, and it's just got just starting to flower up the top. Okay, I'll just leave. I, I'm just experimenting with it. I just wanted to know what it was, and yes, you just described it. It's got that... Uh, Leaves like that. But it's six or eight feet tall already? No, I'm five feet, so it's, well, I'm a little over five. Yeah. So it's about up to five feet right it, now. If it's the one that I've been seeing, uh, they're real unusual. They're striking. They grow straight up, and then they'll make a little little sort of, of uh, airy head of flowers. They haven't opened yet, so I don't know what color they are. Yeah, okay. But anyway, let's have fun with it. So is that all it is, just something I can look at? Something you can look at, and uh, when it blooms, if you can get a good, clear picture of the flower and send it to me, we can identify it. it Maybe something you can eat when you're tired of looking at it. I've tried to send pictures, and they don't seem to work very good on my phone. Well, send send me just a regular email saying that, and I'll send you something back to, you know, we'll work it out. Okay. Thank okay. You. All right, Ann. Appreciate it. Let's go up to Webster County. Hey, Kay. You hey. live you live uh, somewhere near Eupora? Right, about uh, 15 miles due north, I think. Okay. Um, oh, how, that's that's that back way to Oxford. It is, I, I, but basically I'm I'm not near anything. I'm about 20 <laughs> miles from Houston, 20 miles from Calhoun City, and 20 miles from Eupora. There used to be an underground house up there near there someplace. Uh, I think that's over near Bell Fountain. Could be, could be. Yeah. Well, what can I help you with today? Well, I want to follow up about the bulbs. I um, recently discovered some daffodil bulbs that I had dug up a year ago. Oops. And didn't get back in the ground. I forgot about them. Mm, I've done that. Uh, and I wondered if it's worth still putting them in the ground or well, put them in the freezer uh, or something. Oh, no, no. You don't, you don't they ever have to refrigerate daffodils, and freezer is not a good idea. Uh, you know, a lot of times we'll keep things cool in the refrigerator, but give them a good feel. If they feel firm, they're still good. I'd put them in the ground. But if they feel kind of, you know, like an onion, you know, you buy an onion, you squeeze it, you decide whether you want to cook with it or not. Okay. A second question, if I may. Mm-hmm. I've got about a, I guess it's about a 40-year-old uh, magnolia tree. They got bitten by the hard freeze back mm-hmm. in the winter, mm-hmm. and it seems to be dying from the top down. Should I... Have somebody cut it? 
Oh, it's always a difficult question, Kay, because, you know, I, I, you know, I love trees, but, you know, they're just trees. And if they start to die, you know, well, I just, you know, you can cut out the dead stuff. Mm-hmm. And if what's left isn't very pretty, you can go in and keep on cutting it. But that's just a cosmetic thing. There's not much you can treat it for, that's for sure. When a tree starts dying from the top down or the branches dying, there's really no treatment for that. And, and, and I, I actually taught the course in Mississippi State. And it happens in my yard. I just cut it back until I decide I just can't stand it anymore. Well, I it, it I I left it alone because I thought well maybe it will you know rejuvenate. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a, it's an amazing thing. A lot of people uh, d- don't understand that even really tough plants can die from a combination of too wet, too dry, too cold, back to back to back mm-hmm. to back. And uh, even tough plants can die, even magnolia trees. But all you can do is just cut out and cut out and cut out until you decide all that's left is good for the woodpeckers. <laughs> well, I may just cut it down to the ground, then uh, it's going to look pretty funny if I cut it. Yeah, I mean it's it's dead halfway down. Yeah, and it's you know. Well, you know, luck, luckily you live so far in the country. Come on, Kay, nobody cares. I do. I'm sentimental <laughs> about this tree. It's it, 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 uh, you I'm know, at my sister's house. You know, I'm just teasing. Anyway, she she dug this tree up from my house in Atlanta and brought it here. Well. And, and planted it, you know, 40 years ago. Yeah, okay. But anyway, I get you. I'll, I'll... I'm just, I'm just messing with the cake, because that's all we can do. Sometimes laugh to keep from crying. Yeah. Okay, we, pre- right. we appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. I think we've got time to squeeze in another call about pecans. Hey, Bill, up in Oxford, what's up? How are you doing today, Bill? So far, so good. I just tuned in a little while ago. Y'all may, you may have already answered this question about pecans, but uh, around town in our little urban gardens around here i've noticed a, a large gall making all the pecans fall off and it's yeah. forming on the bottom of the fruit yeah yeah this is this be, looks like it's going to be lethal to the whole crop this year it, it, it often is that's an that's a disease called phylloxera starts with a p-h-y-l-l-o-x and you can google it from there not much we can do about it but yeah. if you'll send me an email i can give you some things you might do next year well no, I mean, I've, okay. I, this okay. is just neighborhood yeah. trees that I walk yeah. around in. And, and okay. I, up, I, you know, and I'm, I'm not trying to be abrupt, but we're slap out of time, Bill. But okay. it, phylloxera, not much you can do about it. I was raised with it. Sorry, man. Tell, tell the fellow to, uh, Okay, wait, listen, we're, we're out of time. Sorry, I hate to hate to do that. But, you know, the music is saying it's time for me to go. Uh, the Gestalt Garden is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. And uh, my producer is laid back but hardworking Java Chapman. And our phone greeter today was esteemed Kevin Ferris. I'm your host, Phil Rushing. I'm going to be thinking of you all as I get out, plant a few things this weekend. Nice, cool time. Get out, take advantage of the many events. Maybe go down to the Kapai County Extension Service Monday at 6 to see what they've got growing in their garden. Meanwhile, take a kid to a garden center farmer's market and show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. Mm-hmm.